he responds in love and compassion and care and in comfort. He responds to his younger son, hey, it's okay, we're going to throw a party. He actually didn't even respond to him. He just said, let's throw a party because he was so excited to see him. We're going to dive into the end of the passage at the, in a little bit. But I need you to understand something. God's love is reflected in the Father. That's who the Father is in this story. The Father is God and the sons are us. So what I want to get across as we are reading God's word is we have all at one point been both the younger and the older brother. Whether we like it or not, we've all been the younger brother. We've all had our moments in life where we just went against God and did things that weren't like him. And we've also had moments where we're the older brother and we're selfish and prideful and envying of something that's happening to others. But no matter where we're at on that spectrum, the father responded in love, compassion, and care and in comfort. Hey, welcome to the PC Youth Pod. Thank you for taking time to listen. This is part two from our series, Homecoming, looking at Luke 15, the prodigal son parable, and we're talking about the older son this week. So turn to Luke 15, grab your Bible, get something to write with, and let's hear from Pastor Spencer. God in true righteousness and holiness. So friends, I just urge you that if you're feeling those nudges from God to turn yourself towards him, go all in. Build that relationship with God and it will change your life in ways that you you never thought were even possible. Give it up for Tucker. What a stud. I love the way that you just, man, you gave it all to the Lord. And I could tell that was the Lord moving through you, not yourself. That was obviously a word that the Lord gave you for everybody else here. And I believe that that spoke to some people in here. The cool thing that I, that I took from that is we don't have to put our faith, our faith isn't reliant on one person. Like you said, you lost your youth pastor to Hawaii some years ago. But when you came to that realization, my faith wasn't in my youth pastor, it's in my, my faith in God. That's when everything changed. Wow. I love it, dude. So good. One more time. Clap for Tucker. Come on. It takes a lot to get up here in front of everybody. How are you guys doing? I ask you that like three times every week. Come on. So good to see you guys. So happy to be here. Man, I love seeing you guys every week. For those of you that weren't here last week, we kicked off on a new sermon series. Pastor Aaron brought the word and we kicked off on a new sermon series, Homecoming. I think we have the title That sermon series is about the story and the parable of the prodigal son. And first, I want to play the bumper video for you guys to see. Throw a little Matt Damon in there. I don't know if anybody noticed that. Matt Damon's the goat. He is. Parable of the prodigal son. A lot of you probably know that story in here. A lot of you may not know that story in here. And that's one of the reasons Pastor Aaron and I wanted to embark on this series together. Because 
even though it may be one of the most popular or most known stories in the Bible, a lot of people have heard it the same way each and every time they've heard it. And for people that haven't heard this story before, Pastor Aaron and I are really believing that it's going to speak to, to each and every single one of us in a new way. I think that video just depicts it clearly. The, the son that has a bad relationship with the father and he just goes and betrays and betrays him. As we get into the word tonight, you're going to see that come to life through God's word. But this is where I want to start. I always start with the issue. This is the issue that we're facing in culture today. This is the issue that we're facing as believers or non-believers, wherever we're at in life, this is the issue. The love that God has for us has been skewed by humanity. God made love perfect in his own image from the beginning of time, and humanity has skewed it to look in many different ways throughout culture today. It's not how God intended it to be. I believe that this parable is going to be shocking to you, even if you've heard it or you haven't heard it before, because we're going to look at it in a way that depicts, like last week, we depicted the way that the crowd at the party saw this story unfold. Tonight, we're going to depict how the older brother in this parable sees this story unfold. And then next week, we're going to look at the younger brother and then ultimately the father two weeks from now. I'd encourage you to follow along with this, with us. It's going to be an amazing journey. But the kind of love that God intended, it doesn't exist very much on earth anymore. And if it does, it's a rarity. It's going to be embodied in somebody that's living through Christ, living for Christ and letting Christ move through them. But on a general day, on a general day throughout our world, you're not going to see the love of Christ, the love of God displayed very often. This is where I find most importance. As sons and daughters of Christ, whether we're non-believers or we are believers, we must understand how deep our Father's love goes. I'm one that, that grew up in the church, and even admitting that, I didn't know how far God's love went for me up until some time ago. No matter what family member we are, so this is what's cool. This story, the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, talks about a family's relationship with each other, how things kind of unfold. No matter what family member we identify as in this story, God has something to say to us. So I want to set the stage with that tonight. Before we get into the word, I just want to pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this amazing evening that you've blessed us with. God, we don't take it for granted the fact that we get to gather here together, be together in community and worship you ultimately, God. God, I pray that tonight your word speaks to each and every single one of us in a fresh way. For the, for the one that's here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you make yourself known to them. And God, for the one that's been faithful to you for most of their life, God, I pray that you speak to them in a fresh way, God, to, the, to where they can't even help but understand that you are reaching out and grabbing them. Thank you for the way you love us and the way you come after us. God, bless this night. Bless all these students. In your name we pray. Amen. So for those of you that don't know what a parable is, a parable is actually a fictional story that Jesus told in the Bible to display how he acts, how his morals are, how he loves each and every single one of us. So in Luke 15, that's where we're going to start tonight. Pastor Aaron read it last week. We're going to read it again this week. But in Luke 15 and Luke chapter 16, there's a bunch of parables that the writer Luke gave us that Jesus told. This parable, the parable of the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son, I feel does the most effective job in showing how God shows us his love. A lot of them do a really good job, but this really, really makes it applicable to each and every single one of us because it shows the father and the son's relationship. So tonight, like I said, I want to, last week we focused on the crowd at the party that the father throws the father throws a party for his younger son, and we focus on how the crowd reacted to this situation. Tonight, we're going to focus on how the older brother is perceived in this parable. Just to set the stage a little bit before we get into the word, 
the older brother has been faithful to his father forever and ever, and he has done what has been asked of him constantly. He, led, he lived the complete opposite lifestyle of his younger brother, and that's important to know as we dive into this, because in a family, oftentimes we see the offspring or the siblings kind of live the same way as they, as they grow up. Sometimes there's obviously different scenarios, but this one, they're completely op- opposite in the way they lived. It's a perfect example of how God's love was intended to be. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, please lift them up, show me them. You get a gold star. Oh, that's a good amount of people. Okay. You got your Bibles with you. If you don't, pull out your phone, be responsible on your phone, and turn to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Jesus speaks clearly to most family dynamics in culture today in this one parable. God's Word has something for every single person here, every single one. The person that's gone to church their whole life, God has something for you today. And the person that's never even heard of Jesus or what this parable is, God has something for you. Keep that in the back of your heart as we dive into this. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Say, I'm there, if you're there. Are you there? I'm there. Okay, good. Chapter 11, or 15, verse 11. Here we go. Parable of the prodigal son. To illustrate this point further, so up until this, Luke had been depicting God's love and the way Jesus loves us. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Imagine going to your dad right now at like 15 years old and saying, hey, I want half your property, give it to me. And then the dad saying, yes, that's crazy in and of itself. But he did, he said, okay. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. So not only did you ask your dad for all his money, but then you move away. That's a little bit crazy to me. He wasted all the money his dad gave him in wild living. About this time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. So you ask your dad for money, he gives it to you. Then you move away, and then you start living wildly, doing very many ungodly things, and you go broke because there's a famine, so you have to start feeding pigs. That's kind of a roller coaster of emotions. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses and he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Smart. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he figured, okay, I'm starving. Maybe I'll just work for my dad and he'll feed me. That's better than eating pig food. So he returned home to his father, and he had this speech prepared, like Pastor Aaron said. He was going through it in his head. What am I going to say to my dad? I really messed up. While he was still on a long way off, his father saw him coming. So in the distance, he saw him coming. Filled with love, the father, filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But this father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. So remember, they're in a famine. It's a sacrifice to kill a calf because they probably didn't even have that much food to begin with. We must celebrate with a feast with the fattened calf. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but he is now found. So the party began. 
Meanwhile, this is where I want us to focus tonight because we're going to talk about the older brother. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? The servant said, your brother is back. He was told and your father has killed the, cat, the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go into the party. His father came out and begged him to come in, but he replied, All of these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. That's pretty justified, I would say. Like, as a human... That someone that lives on this earth that has like flesh moments where I kind of just think selfishly, that's justified. Like if my brother came home and had this big party after messing around, like I'd be a little bit annoyed. So let's give him that. He's justified in that. You never even gave me a goat and now you're celebrating my brother. Notice how the father in in this verse responds to all the parties in this scenario. Notice how he responds to the son, the older son, and to the servant's. He responds in love and compassion and care and in comfort. He responds to his younger son, hey, it's okay, we're going to throw a party. He actually didn't even respond to him. He just said, let's throw a party because he was so excited to see him. We're going to dive into the end of the passage at the, in a little bit. But I need you to understand something. God's love is reflected in the Father. That's who the Father is in this story. The Father is God and the sons are us. So when I want to get across as we are reading God's word is, we have all at one point been both the younger and the older brother. Whether we like it or not, we've all been the younger brother. We've all had our moments in life where we just went against God and did things that weren't like him. And we've also had moments where we're the older brother and we're selfish and prideful and envying of something that's happening to others. But no matter where we're at on that spectrum, the father responded in love, compassion, in care and in comfort. The father was not harsh or cruel. He could have said, you, you wasted all my money. I'm not, get out of here. Like that would have been the reasonable explanation for him to, the response for him to give. But he said, no, let's throw a party. I'm going to feed you a fattened calf. God's love is gentle. And this is what's important. God's love, God's love protects us from evil. It could have been really easy for the father in this parable to say, nope, like I said, you messed up really bad. You're on your own and left him in places of evil because he was already in a world living a life full of evil and destruction and despair. And the father could have left him there, but no, God's love protects us from what's evil. Look again at the response of the older brother. Like I said, if we're being honest, that's pretty justified. Like our human culture says, yeah, I understand, dude, like that stinks. I'm here with you. I agree on that. But if we're going to be really honest, the older brother's response was nothing but prideful and selfish and envying. I would be that way. I would say, Dad, what do you, what, why, why is my brother getting celebrated? I've done everything I can to stay along, along your side my entire life. Why, why is my younger brother who's betrayed you being celebrated? Like there's a, whole, a huge party, what's going on? That's justified, but he's being selfish and prideful in his response. And I don't want to, what I'm going to be careful about tonight is assuming too much out of this passage because it gives us a lot of meat. We just digested a lot of God's word, but I don't want to assume anything extra. But what we can probably assume is that 
the older brother did in fact love his younger. Like I love my brothers even if we have encounters where we don't agree. So he probably hopefully did love his younger brother, but his pride blinded him from loving him well in that moment. Like how much of a better response would it have been for him to say, oh my goodness, it's so good to see you and hug him just like his dad did. But his own pride, his own selfishness blinded his eyes from seeing what was actually happening. Like what a cool moment that is for the dad to welcome the son and say, I'm so glad you're home. Let's go have a party. How much cooler would it have been if the brother came too and said the same thing, but instead he's like, nope, I'm not going to celebrate him. That hurts me. As humans, that should hurt you too. His own selfishness blinded him from what was actually happening in that situation. In some regards, we could say that the older brother was comparing his own life to his, uh, to his younger's. How many times as Christians have we compared what's going on in our lives to, to someone else's life? He didn't even celebrate his brother's return. Like, I couldn't actually imagine that. No matter how wronged I would feel, obviously that's a pretty intense situation, but, but no matter how wronged I would feel, I would hope in the depths of my soul that I'd be able to celebrate my younger brother coming home still. But that's easier for me to say looking at this from an outside perspective. This is what's important. The younger brother coming home, and I hope you can hear the distinction between younger and older brother. The younger brother coming home from living a life full of despair and and unrighteousness and all these things, him coming home to his father represents in this parable someone being saved by Christ. The father says, my son was lost and now he is found. He is alive. So that representation is the same as if someone tonight raised their hand and said, I want to know Jesus because I'm a failure on my own and I need to be saved by him. So remember that his brother's return symbolized being saved by Christ. And he didn't even celebrate that. Like how selfish would it be for someone to be saved by by Jesus tonight and for us to be like, ah, I got my own things to figure out and not care? Every salvation should be a celebration for us. This place, PC Youth is a welcoming environment. PC Youth is is loving. It should be a place where somebody can come in no matter where they're at in life. Bring your mess in with you. I say that all the time. Come as you are. You don't have to have it all figured out. I sure don't. Pride inhibits our ability to love effectively. That's my point in all this. Pride. We all have it. No one's going to argue that we don't. To some degree, we all have pride. But I'm warning us tonight, I'm warning myself, I'm warning you tonight that pride inhibits us from loving others effectively. And if PC Youth is a place where we want to be loving and welcoming and comforting, this place should be a hospital for the hurting. And if that's something we want to do, pride is going to inhibit that. So I had to check myself on this. If there's any sense of pride, God, get rid of it. Because this should be a place for the hurting when it, where anybody feels welcome. Solomon tells us this in Proverbs, in Proverbs 11, verse 2. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. In verse 16, it says, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. More often than not, being prideful and selfish and judging, that oftentimes will make us fall before something good. Like in that moment, we could say, okay, I got it all figured out. That person's really obviously not. But I can almost assure you if you still live in, if you continue living in that, in that mindset that you're going to fall yourself at some point too. This is my question for tonight. How many times as Christians have we categorized sin? 
How many times? This is the quote. Well, yeah, I've done this, this, and this, but that, oh, that's messed. That's terrible. Yeah, I've done this, this, and this, these little things. Oh, but that person over there, they're going through it. That's pride. I've done it. I'm sure you have too if you're you're being honest with yourself. That's where the church has messed up royally by categorizing sin, especially in an era where we're dealing with homosexuality, we're dealing with all of these really, really hard social issues with racism, all these things. They should be welcome here. No matter where you're at, they should be feel loved enough enough to feel love enough. Sorry, they should feel loved enough to be able to come and to have community. Don't you guys love going to In-N-Out after? That's not just to get a good burger. I mean, it is. I love their food. But that's not just to get a good burger. That's to have and enjoy community with one another. How many of you can say you've made great friends just from that experience every week? I've gotten to know you all way more, way more than I probably would have otherwise. Pride inhibits us from loving. And if our goal is to love everyone and let them be here as they are and work through their mess on their own, then we shouldn't have pride, any ounce of it. How many times have we forgotten to celebrate salvation of others because we are stuck in our own pity? Oh, I've had to remind myself of that. As a church, I think we've been very, very blessed to see many, many salvations, especially as of late. I don't know about you, but I think it's a little bit uncommon the way God has blessed this house over the past few months. A lot of people are still going through it with COVID and all these things, but God has had his hand of protection on our church. I think out of all throughout COVID, only one person we have lost due to COVID from our church. God has protected our church. But not only that, God has brought people that are in their mess, just like we all are, and he's saving them and he's making himself known to them. How many times have we forgotten to celebrate that because we're so focused on what's going on in our own life? I never want to forget to celebrate somebody that's going to have eternity with Jesus. None of that stuff has happened to me. The older brother in this parable looked past all the things he has gone through because he's so hyper-focused on this brother's sin. That's just the truth. The Bible says it. He called out his brother for all these things, but did he take a moment to reflect and say, ah, I've probably been there too. Let's go celebrate. Don't miss out. This is the end of my main point. Don't miss out on what God is trying to do in your own life by focusing on somebody else's mess. Because I promise you of this, God has something to do in each and every single one of us here. Whether you came here just for the pizza in the back or whatever, even though you weren't supposed to have that. That was for leaders, but it's okay. Whether you came here for pizza or to hang out with your buddies or whatever, that's all good and great. Community, like I said, if you came for in and out after, awesome. I'm so glad you came. But please don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life because I promise God has a word. God has something to speak to you, each and every single one of you, if you let him. But that comes with an act of obedience. So don't let God's word or what he's trying to do in your life be wasted because you're focusing on somebody else. Because odds are, just by the nature of living on this earth, we all have our own mess to clean up anyways. So what's the point in trying to clean up somebody else's? That's just a waste of time. 
I'm just being honest. You might, tell, you might try to tell me, well, Spencer, Jesus told this parable when the world wasn't actually that bad and the brother actually was justified in the way he felt because that was really bad to sin that way in that time. This is what I'd tell you. God knew that the world was headed into the direction it is today. And he still put that part of the Bible in the Bible because he knew we needed to see it. Maybe you're here and you feel resistant to God's word right now. We're reading out of God's word. I believe God's word is inspired and it's real and it's true and it's alive. God's word isn't just some history book. It's for now, it's forever. So maybe you're here right now and you're feeling resistant to what I'm saying. And you maybe, not, maybe you don't even know why. Maybe you have no idea, but you feel resistant. You feel annoyed with the way I'm talking. I do talk a little bit weird, but maybe you feel resistant to what's, what the God's word is saying. Because it's not me. It's, I'm just a vessel for God to, to use his word. But maybe you're feeling resistant to God's word. This is what I would say. That's because God is speaking to you. And just as God is very real and very evident and very powerful, Satan, the enemy, is still real. As unfortunate as it is, this enemy is real. And the reason you're probably feeling resistant is because God is trying to empower you and put something into your life and the enemy wants nothing to do with it. So please, if that's you right now, push past that feeling because God wants to do something in your life. A feeling of resistance to God's word is actually conviction. For those of you that don't know what conviction is, conviction is actually realizing, oh, that's maybe talking about me a little bit. We've all been there in a church service. Maybe this is your first time. But feeling resistant to what God is trying to say to you is actually conviction. So this is my action step for you. This story, we see that the younger brother gets saved by his dad. He throws a party for him. He's lost and he's found. So this story, this parable is not an excuse to live like the prodigal. The prodigal son is the younger brother. It's not an excuse to live like him. I don't know many people that aspire to go out and live ungodly. So don't take this, although God will save you, don't use this story as an excuse to live badly and ungodly and let God have God save you in the end of it. How much better would it be to live faithfully and righteously for Jesus every single day? If you are living as the prodigal son right now, if you feel like that's your conviction... This is your moment to turn away and come home. Homecoming, that's the title of this sermon series. God wants to take each and every single one of us home with him. And home is heaven. It's also not an excuse to live like the older brother. Don't get caught up in the mindset. Don't get caught up in the mindset of the older brother. It could be really easy to be like, like I said, to feel all these things against other people, to have your business be somebody else's. Don't let this parable be an excuse to, to try to fix other people's mess. Because I promise it's going to be much more effective if you focus your time and energy letting God fix yours. We're not going to fix it by ourselves. Let's get that out of the, let's make that clear. We're not going to fix our own mess by ourselves. If you try to do that, you're just going to continue to fall and fall and fall. But God, if we let him, can fix our mess. He can intervene, step in and fix our mess. How much better that would that have story been? It's still amazing. Like the fact that the prodigal is saved, he's lost and he's found, that's amazing. But how much better would that have parable been if it said the older brother 
was skeptical and mad that his brother was being celebrated, but then he checked himself and said, God, I welcome you. I allow you to fix my mess, whatever I'm going through, whatever that is. And then went and celebrated with his brother. Allow God to fix our mess. Allow God to fix your mess on your own with him, not other people. Maybe, I'm not saying there's not times for other people to help you. That's called a disciple. There's, that's a real thing. Having a disciple, having someone walk through you and walk with you and mentor you, that's a real thing. But I'm talking about in a selfish and judging way. Work on your own self and celebrate with other people, all the people that are being saved and found. That's a much better model in my opinion. If you are feeling convicted right now, please, if you're feeling convicted or stirred, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because that means God wants to bring change to that area of your life. I can speak to this because I felt this way. As growing up in church, whenever I'd feel discouraged about being convicted about something, I'd get really down on myself and allow the enemy to keep affirming, oh yeah, you deserve to feel bad about that. You've really messed up. Please don't miss me on this. Don't be discouraged by your conviction. Conviction is actually a very good thing. Be encouraged by it because that is proof that God wants to fix an area in your life. And you might say, well, Spencer, why do I got to be fixed? We got to be fixed because we're humans. And by nature, we're fallen. God wants to step in into an area of your life and fix it and help you with your mess. He wants to sweep up all your crumbs, all your dirtiness. Welcome that. Welcome that conviction. Be expectant for a renewal, renewal of God on your life. We're going to read the rest of this passage, and I believe it's going to speak to a few key people in this room. Maybe it's for one person. But will you stand with me? We're going to read the last two verses of Luke chapter 15. Worship team, you can come. Luke chapter 15, verses 31 and 32 are so, so powerful because the father in this parable addresses the older brother's pride and selfishness. He says this in verse 31. I'm going to actually back up a little bit to get you guys some more context. The older brother was yelling at his dad saying, Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. He's really mad. And the father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he was found. There's two very, very powerful things in those two verses. Don't miss the first. For the person in this room tonight that's been faithful to stand by Jesus, to be faithful to walk with him and to serve him, and you feel like in this moment or you feel like in the past, why are all these people getting the attention? God, I've been with you my whole life. God, I've done this. I've been for you. Why am I not getting recognition, God? Why am I not receiving your inheritance like other people are? This is what God says to you. Son, daughter, you have stayed by me and everything I have is yours. God is not selfish. Jesus is not selfish. God wants to share everything he has with us. So good for you for being faithful and be encouraged because God, everything God has is yours. And when the time for this earth comes to an end, we're gonna get to experience heaven with him. So why not strive every single day 
to experience everything God has for us, for blessings, for mercy, for grace, for love, for all the fruits of the Spirit. God offers them to each and every single one of us that are faithful to Him. The second thing that I can get out of this verse, these two verses, for those of you in this room tonight that are feeling like at some point in life, maybe right now you're the prodigal son and you've squandered and you've ran, ran around being ungodly and doing all these things. Maybe it's just one area of your life and it may not be super extreme, but you feel in your heart that you've betrayed your father. The father says this to you, for you were dead and you have come back to the life. You were lost, but now you are found. We're gonna to touch more on that next week, the prodigal son. But know this tonight, that the father will reach as far as he has to, to grab you. He did that for me. And I know he did that for a lot of people in this room. So as far as he has to reach, he will. He's not like, oh, that's a foot past how far I want it. No, he'll reach all the way. So be encouraged. God will grab you with where you're at and start to mend pieces of your life that you didn't know could be fixed. God will bring wholeness in, in relationship and he'll bring people around you that are gonna lift you up, not tear you down. God will bring you mentors and disciples and people for you that will teach you how to follow Jesus better. Those are important, hear me on that. Having a good mentor, having a good disciple in your life is crucial. A lot of us leaders, a lot of us people in here that have walked through later parts of our life would say we wouldn't be where we're at without key mentors and disciples. So let God find you. Let God find you and put people around you to lift you up. This is what we're gonna do tonight. I just talked about two people. If you've been faithful to serve Jesus, and yes, you've had ups and downs, we all have, but if you've been faithful to serve Jesus for a long portion of your life, you've grown up here, you've done all these things, and you feel like you've kind of been second for whatever reason, God has something he wants to speak to you in your heart tonight. If you somewhat, or however you identify as a prodigal son, second person in here, if you identify to some degree with the prodigal son in this story, I promise you God will come get you. You just have to let him. So we're gonna, Anna and Alona are gonna lead us in worship and I'm gonna ask if you're one of those two people, maybe you're both, but if you resonate with any of these things, I want you to come up here to this altar, find space in this room. We're gonna worship the King of Kings and the Lord's Lord of Lords tonight. And I want you to allow Jesus to work in your heart. I want you to, you can come now, yes. I want you to allow Jesus to, to grab hold of your heart and to give it to him. It doesn't have to be this big thing to spend time with you and Jesus because I believe there's a lot of people in here tonight that God wants to speak to. Own your peace. And when I say that, I'm saying own yourself. Own, with what, own what you're going through. Let it be a challenge. God, I know I'm struggling in this area. God, I challenge challenge me to be better in this. Own it because it's yours. It's not anybody else's. To stay caught up with everything happening, check us out at peopleschurch.com as well as on Instagram at PCYouthSalem.